0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. After the fall of Adam in the garden, God calls out to Adam only to hear Adam acknowledge that he was afraid. It is so fascinating that the crown of creation is attempting to hide from his loving creator because of fear. Fear is one of the most devastating hindrances in the releasing of our potential. And in today's message, we're going to share some truths about overcoming fear from our series, Purpose, Potential, and Power. Listen in. Take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Man, open your Bibles, to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to talk about overcoming fear today. Amen? Amen. It's appropriate that uh, I have to release this book today because um, there was a lot of fear involved in releasing the book. And I didn't like to put the label of fear on it because, you know, I'm a man, I don't want to be I'm not afraid of nothing. But the fact of the mirror everybody's afraid of things we all have fears that we carry around amen whether we like it or not truth is life cannot be lived without fear in the human heart every human being has fears there are only five basic fears that all of us have but everybody has them amen we're going to read our foundation of scripture we've been talking about purpose potential and power And unfortunately, fear is one of those things that gets between us and our purpose, and fear gets definitely between us and our potential. Amen? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. In other words, basically, Paul said, I was aware of you, but when I heard about you, When I heard about your faith, when I heard about the love that you have, when I heard about those things, man, I started praying for you. (laughs) Because as soon as you start walking in faith, as soon as you start walking in love, you're going to get met with challenge. Amen. Because why? Love is the nature of God. So when you start to walk in love and you start to reveal the nature of God, you're going to have something that comes against that. And when you operate in faith, faith is a substance of things you're hoping for. Evidence of the unseen. And if you're walking in faith, then what happens? There's an enemy who does not want you doing that. Because faith is not a matter of your, I'll say it this way, faith is a matter of your true nature. See, there's, there's three realms that we dwell in. A realm is a kingdom, or it is a, a location, it is a, it is a place. So three realms that we live in, we live in a physical realm, right? Touch your neighbor and say, that's physical. You live in a physical realm, right? We know, we understand, everything around us is physical. We see it, we hear it, taste it, touch it. If it's any of those things, then guess what? It's physical, and that's the first realm. The second realm is the soulish realm. Or the sensual realm. It is not your physical touch. It's your thoughts. It's your imaginations. It's your emotions. It's your will. It's those things that come out of your mind. It is the logical pathways that we can follow because we know things or we can anticipate things. We anticipate based on what our experiences are and those experiences are stored in your mind. And so the soulish realm is the realm in which you process the physical and you understand it. You grasp it. But that's only two realms. The third realm is the realm of the spirit. And God is spirit. It is the realm of God. It's not the realm of humanity. It's the realm where God exists. So when we try to make God live in a physical world, we don't reconcile it because we logically understand everything in the natural world. So we don't need God because we understand that. Amen? Amen? In the physical world, we can make sense of it because we have a soulish knowledge that allows us to understand and anticipate and in those two realms man does not believe he needs god until a problem occurs because it's not god's realm but the bible says in the beginning god created both the heavens and the earth in other words god created his realm and the realm we live in and he chose to put man on the earth amen He put man in the realm and told him you can have dominion over this. I'm going to let you rule all of this. This is yours. Why? Because you have a mind and you have a physical body and you can then take authority over all of it. It's yours. Do what you want to do. Just stay out of that tree in the middle of the garden. (laughs) Because what you don't understand is that tree has the knowledge of good and evil which you are going to believe is natural, but it's not. It's spiritual. So you believe, your logical mind is going to say that good and evil are terms of the natural world, but they're not. True good and evil is spiritual. So stay out the tree. Because that's not the realm you were handed I give you two realms to work in. They're yours. You can do whatever you want to do. I made you triune, but I give you two. I made you spirit, soul, and body. I formed your body from the dust of the ground, and then I blew my breath of life into you, and you became a living soul. God blew his spirit into man, and the spirit... And the physical came together and the soul of man was born. So what does this have to do with your potential? Well, the first thing it has to do with your potential is you have to understand that you were given two realms to work in, but you are our substance of who you are is the third realm. See, the third realm is not a realm that lives outside of you. It's a realm that lives on the inside of you. It is the spirit of who you are. It's the true who you are. That's why when a physical person dies and we look into the casket, we all will agree something is missing. What's missing? The third realm. The spirit of the person is missing. Now, we have a hard time processing it because Adam and Eve were in the garden with God, with everything. Total sense of purpose. God says to Adam, he said, Adam, have dominion over the whole world. You're here to tend and keep the world. It's yours. He gave him a sense of purpose immediately. And then he watched him, he said, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. If I leave him like this, he's going to have a problem. I got to help him understand. See, in heaven, there's three of us. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three, we agree as one, we're unified, we operate together. So what I'm going to do for Adam is I'm going to give him a comparable helper. And so Adam and Eve are created to be comparable helpers. They are separated. Eve is pulled out of man, which means that now man now has an interdependency on woman because they were created as one and separated to work as partners in the model and the image of God, because God says, I am three, Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. We operate as one. So now, Adam, I'm not going to make you like me because I'm only giving you to operate in two realms. So I'm only give you two (laughs) when there's three of us. (laughs) Amen. Are you with me so far? (laughs) So Paul told them, he said, when I heard about your faith. Your faith is not. In the first two realms, your faith is a third realm item. Your faith is where you talk to God, it's where you touch God, it's where you operate beyond the realm of the natural senses, because it's the evidence of what's not seen. So faith is not natural. Faith is spiritual. And love we know is not natural, because love is the nature of God. God is love, right? So that means it's God. That means it's not natural. It's not human. But we operate in two realms, and so we try to make it human. And we're disappointed sometimes with love because love in the first two realms is incomplete. See, I love you with my mind. Oh, I love you with my mind. Until you do something I don't like. And then my love starts to shrivel, shrivel. Because in my mind, I have a picture of you that I want you to be, and then I have a physical reality of who you are. And because my mind and my body, they, they don't reconcile this identity you have, so I'm disappointed with you because you're not lining up with my expectation of who you are. And so the first realm and the second realm are at odds, and I can't love you. I John Legend said, baby, when I used to love you, nothing that I wouldn't do. used to (laughs) what happened between now and then (laughs) what happened was my expectation something went something missed and so now I used to love you not like I used to (laughs) (laughs) because we're trying to take a spiritual thing and use it in a natural way and we fail at it because it's not complete Paul said, when I heard about your faith and your love, he said, man, I realized I had to pray for y'all. I realized that when I heard that you're trying to walk in faith and you're having successes and you're walking in love and you're having successes, I realized, man, I got to pray for these people. And what I got to pray, I'm praying that the, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. In other words, if you're going to walk in love and you're going to try to walk this faith walk, you're going to have to have a revelation, a true revelation of who Jesus is. You're going to need both knowledge and revelation in order to go forward. You're going to have to have the knowledge of Christ. You're going to have to know him. You're going to really internalize. You got to really not just have this in your mind. You need the revelation. And revelation is insight into the spirit. If you really want to understand what revelation, true revelation is, revelation is the insight of the natural things and they're tied to spiritual things behind them. That's what revelation is. When we understand revelation, when we get revelation, where does it come from? Jesus gives a hard saying to his disciples, Ask them, are they going to leave? Peter says, where are we going to go? You got the words of eternal life. You got words we never heard before. You're talking about stuff we've never heard. We went to the Jewish schools. We heard the law. We understood. We were taught the law since we were little kids. We never heard anything like this. We watch you talk to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who know the law in and out. And we see that you have an understanding they don't have. What did Jesus have that the Pharisees didn't have? The spirit. He had the spirit and the spirit spoke past the law. That's why when Jesus said, he's, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You shall love your neighbor like yourself. This is the greatest commandment. And on these two hang all the law and the prophets. What does that mean? All the law and the prophets are second and first realm things. But the third realm of love is where this really is. And those things are dependent upon the things that are in the third realm. Just like you're dependent on God for the air you breathe. My every breath hangs on God's will to keep air in the earth. All my life hangs on God's supply of what I need in this world. All of my life hangs on that whether I recognize it or not. In the same way, all the law is hanging on love from the spiritual realm. Amen. Amen. Are you still with me? (laughs) Amen. So the three things that he says he's praying for them for, and those three things are the cornerstone of what we're dealing with, and then I'm going to get into the the depth of what I want to hit today. And that is verse 18 the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. In other words, first that you would know your purpose. What is the hope of God's calling for your life? Every human being comes into the world with a purpose. You do not enter this world. I don't care how you got into this world. However you got here, you came with a purpose. Amen? What are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, there's riches in you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you got my inheritance. (laughs) Amen. See, your potential... The riches that God has put in every person, that potential is not for you, it's for the people next to you. Or it's the people that you serve, or the people that you bless, or the people that you do things for, or the people that you create your ideas and you translate them into tangible things that they can use. Your inheritance is in me. And my inheritance is in you. Because I can't get all the stuff I need in life without you doing what you're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. Tammy mentioned I I had a physical attack. I ended up in the hospital. All the doctors and the nurses were in there. Guess what? They were my inheritance. (laughs) I was dependent upon their services when they step when, when I'm laying there. I don't have a machine to tell me where my blood sugar was. They're the ones who said, hey, man, you need to come back to the hospital. I went in to do a lab test and came out. They they called me up and said, "Uh, you have to get in here immediately. (laughs) What for? (laughs) What's wrong? wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, man, I'm tired. I just need to rest. I just need to take a nap. That's all I need. (laughs) That's what I thought. That's all I was trying to do is trying to take a nap because I got stuff to do. I got a list of things I got to do. I got to do it. They were my inheritance. Every time you go to the store and you buy something, guess what? You're buying, it's your inheritance. It's the stuff that other people have created and provided. That's your inheritance. That's what we live off every day. So other people are your inheritance. So guess what? What do you have that people need that you haven't released yet? (laughs) This book was sitting around for a long time. And I was giving people little pieces of it on the slide, right? I was giving people little pieces years and years. And the, thing, the Holy Spirit said, You are holding back somebody's inheritance. But it ain't ready yet. He said, Ain't your job to determine whether it's ready. It's your determined to release what's needed by others. Ooh. Had to take a correction on that. Amen. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. So we have purpose, we have potential, and we have power. Jesus said, you know, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses to me. He left them with an understanding, guess what? I'm not gonna leave you powerless. I'm gonna leave you a power that will give you access to all kinds of stuff. Listen, if you go to plug your lamp into the wall, are you pulling all the power that PG and E has for your lamp? Yeah, you hope yeah, you better hope not. You're going to draw what's needed for the lamp. Right? But is PG&E out of power because you plugged in your lamp? What does that mean? That means pg and has an abundance of power beyond what you can ask, use, or think. Amen? That's what God has. God's got power beyond what you can ask or think about. But if you ain't plugged in, you can't get it. If you're not plugged into God, you can't access it. He's not at the deficit. Man, my thing won't work. It won't work. Check the plug. Come on, I've been working. I've been the switch. Something wrong with the switch. Ain't nothing wrong with the switch. Use the plug. If you use the plug, you'll find out there's plenty of power of what you need. Amen? Amen. Come on. Come on. Now, there's three enemies to your purpose, your potential, and your power. Three enemies. The first enemy is doubt. Because if there's power, but you don't believe there is, guess what? You can't access it. If you doubt the power, you won't lift the plug. If you don't believe that there's something that can come out of the outlet, you will not use your energy to go plug in. So the enemy comes first to most of our lives to create a sense of doubt concerning who God is and who you are with God. If he can get that doubt cloudy in your mind, then what has he done? You won't even lift the effort. You won't even take the effort to put in the plug. Man, meditate on the word. Oh, I would, but I'm, I'm really busy. Man, but if you get into the word, you get the word in your heart and in your spirit, man, God will start. Yeah, I know, but man, but I, I just be getting tired when I get home from work. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, yeah. If we saw the benefit, then we would. But the enemy puts doubt that that will actually work. Amen? Amen. The second thing, past doubt, is indecision. The failure to make a decision. When I gave my life to Christ, I decided that I was not going to be a hypocrite. I made a decision on the spot. I said, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it. If I'm in, I'm in. And once I knew God was real, I said, I got to get in. (laughs) Amen. Because when you're an atheist and all of a sudden the presence of God shows up, I'm in. <laughs> Amen. There ain't no God. Oh, I'm arguing with people, telling me why ain't no God. Oh, the Bible's a foolishness, a bunch of fairy tales. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all into all the foolishness. No, man, philosophy's where you need to just get you a philosophy and live on your philosophy. That's where I was, and guess what? And then all of a sudden, the presence of God shows up. Whew. All right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, y'all. But I made a decision that night. When I, had the, when I sensed the presence of God, I had to make a decision. And I made a decision to go with God. Now I could have said, okay, well, maybe God exists. I'm still not. N- no, I have manifestation. I'm going to go with God. But indecision will stop you from doing things. Because you can't move until you make a decision. I was, I was at work the other day. And... Uh, I had a task I didn't really want to do, and I was procrastinating with the task. And so I kept getting up from my desk and walking around, and, uh, and so, so one of my team members said, they said, are you procrastinating? I said, no, I'm just thinking about how I want to do this. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how I want to do it. <laughs> Are you procrastinating on this task? I said, no. anyway. Because I hadn't made a decision, I really wanted to do it. I was still meditating on it, right? The third is fear fear. Turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Genesis, chapter 3. So your neighbor saying, "I know exactly where the Book of Genesis is." (laughs) Amen. I can't miss that one. Ain't gonna take long to find that one. Amen. Genesis chapter three. When you get there, say "Amen." Amen. We're gonna start at verse seven. Genesis three and seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, how many of y'all know fig leaves are probably not the most effective way to cover yourself? (laughs) It's what they had, so it's what they used, amen? Verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves... From the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I have a quick question for you. How well do you think they were hidden? (laughs) Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? Do you think God wanted to know where Adam was because he didn't know where Adam was? Or was he trying to get Adam to answer a question for himself? Look at verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was what? I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked. How did Adam know he was naked? And see, that's the question that God then asked him. He said, Who told you you were naked? See, when Adam was created, Adam had spirit, soul, and body unified as one. When he ate the fruit, he was separated. And so now he lived where we live two realms the soul and the body. And so when the spirit was connected, he had no, no thoughts about nakedness whatsoever because he was complete. But when he ate and he was separated, all of a sudden now his soulish man is his dominating realm. I hid because. I was naked. I was afraid." Who are you afraid of? God, your creator? Why would you be afraid of me? I made you. I remember it was about 12 years old, and my mother was calling me, and I was in the room, and I was goofing off, and then then she said, get dressed. I said, oh, man, I got to get dressed. That's right. So I went, and I'm getting dressed. And my mother opened the door, and I'm like, hey, don't look. She said, boy, I made you. I ain't looking at you. <laughs> amen. How many of y'all had that experience? Huh? You know, amen. I made you. I ain't looking at you. <laughs> oh, you trying to hide yourself. Amen. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about fear real quick. Adam was afraid. Let's talk about what fear is. Let's define it. You can't fight something until you define it. Amen. You don't know what it is. You're fighting the air. What is fear? Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or trouble, or is a threat. Fear lives in your soulish domain. It's you're all about your perceptions of threat, concern, worry, anxiety, All those things are wrapped up into your fears. Fear is that anticipation that something is out there. Something is a threat to me. And because it's a threat, I am afraid. As a six foot six inch black man, I have walked down the street sometimes and seen people go, (laughs) move things, why? fear. Now, I can be walking down the street smiling, but if somebody has an innate fear, it doesn't make a difference. Because the fear now causes decisions on the inside. In other words, logic is not working anymore because fear has overwhelmed logic. Fear is so powerful That fear can drive people to do all kinds of things. Because the human soul has not only a thought process, but God has equipped us with an imagination process. And the imagination takes over when you get afraid because the imagination needs to plot and plan how are we going to deal with issues. so it reaches into the mind and pulls up memories and then it starts orchestrating and making an artistic rendition of what needs to happen now. And usually when it paints it says we're either going to run or we're going to (laughs) fight. It's called flight or fight. So whenever we encounter fear that fear starts to author something. And that authoring is usually what gets us into trouble. Fear, unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or trouble, or is a threat. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, unease, typically about imminent events or something with an uncertain outcome. We get anxiety when... We are anticipating a situation happening and that situation, we don't know how it's going to work out or we have concern that it's going to work out to a negative way and so we start to have anxiety about it. If somebody says, I'm having an anxiety attack, what it means? That means all of a sudden I am not sure what's happening around me and my body is now having a reaction. Why? Because the soul is telling the body what to do. The soul is now telling the body how it needs to operate. And so that anxiety with nowhere to go causes a person to be in a bad space. Worry can be either a noun or a verb. Worry means to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulties or trouble. In other words, you start worrying when you see all things around you but you get focused on the one thing that might go wrong. And that meditation on that thing becomes worry. And here's how you're designed. You bring to pass what you meditate on. Amen? (laughs) All right, I'm going to give you six things that you need to do to overcome fear. Actually, before I go there, before I go there, I want to share something else with you because I want you to make sure you connect with this. Because fear is, a, is, a, is an enemy of your potential, I'm going to talk to you about the five most common human fears. Five most common human fears. Fear number one is the fear of death. And not only death, but the fear of extinction. And what I mean by extinction is the fear of death is one thing. I'm not afraid to die. But the fear of extinction is actually beyond that because it's the fear that you're not anywhere. So you can have a feeling of death or extinction and be connected to all kinds of stuff. If you don't feel a connection to it. The second thing is the pain or the fear of pain or injury. So the fear of injury is why you're afraid of bugs, snakes, animals, because you're afraid it might get you. Amen. All kinds of phobias around stuff, it's usually around it might get me. Why is a, a three-millimeter spider on the wall, which is a big spider? No, centimeter, three-centimeter. Let's call him three-centimeter. Three-centimeter spider on the wall. He's a big spider as spiders go. Why are we afraid? Why are we screaming? Ah! That spider's 20 feet away on the wall. Oh, my God, it's a spider. Why? 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 He's over there. He's not go- coming over here. Matter of fact, he saw you and said, man, look how big that dude is. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> why are we afraid? Snake is minding his own business, trying to find some sun. I'm cold-blooded, man. It's cold out here. I'm trying to find some sun. That's all I'm looking for. You see the snake and you scream, ah! Snake's like, man, I. Ain't, I ain't, what are you tripping off? <laughs> I'm just looking for a warm place to lay down. But why are we afraid? We're afraid because... When Adam ate, it set things in motion in us. That sin nature in us has a series of fears in us. Those are kind of externals. The third is the loss of autonomy. The feeling of being immobilized, paralyzed, restricted, overwhelmed entrapped, imprisoned, smothered, or otherwise controlled by circumstances beyond our control. When I got married, 6 months into my marriage, I had the I had that fear come on me. All of a sudden, I lost my autonomy. All of a sudden, I'm like, "Ooh, this apartment's getting small." <laughs> oh, 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 man. I can't, oh man, I can't, I, I'd have moved away from my town. I ain't got nowhere to go. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Two becoming one, and I'm losing my autonomy. Ah. And all of a sudden, I'm having anxiety. I never had an anxiety attack before. And one day I said, I'm, I just got to go. I'm out. <laughs> my little bag, I do <sighs> Put my stuff in my bag. I'm go- No, he ain't going nowhere. I'm 30 years later. I ain't went nowhere yet. So, amen. <laughs> <laughs> but many times, the friction between people is not the issues. It's the loss of their autonomy. It's the fear that I'm losing something. The fear that I, I can't, I've, I've yielded myself and this is, you know, and so I got to get my freedom back. <laughs> I had a friend, he got divorced so he can get his freedom and four wives later, he was still looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Number four, the fear of separation and isolation. It's the fear of abandonment, rejection, loss of connectedness, the possibility of becoming a non-person. Somebody who's not wanted or respected or valued by others. And then, in some cases, the silent treatment that someone would be given is the thing that actually then causes psychological damage to people. I had somebody who was mad at me. And so they were going to give me the silent treatment. And so I saw them and... uh, I said, hello, and they didn't respond. I'm like, hello? <laughs> they wouldn't look at me. It was like I, like I was standing in front of Buckingham Palace, like the, like the, the Royal Guard is out there. They can't, look, they can't move. I'm like, hello? <laughs> the person wouldn't respond. I'm like, man, this might actually hurt my feelings if I care. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. I told them I loved them, and I just I kept it moving. Amen. Amen. And I meant it. I actually do love them. I just know it's a, it's a bad situation. That's all. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Number five, and the one that's probably most challenging in the season that we live in is the fear of death or wounding of the ego. Fear of your body is one thing. Fear of your inner man is something else. The fear of the ego is the fear of being humiliated, made ashamed, or any other mechanism of profound self-disapproval that threatens your loss of integrity. They question my integrity. What happened? It's a fear of my integrity being damaged, my reputation being damaged. Okay. Integrity of the self, the fear of shattering one's constructed sense of ability. What makes you who you are? You thought you were all that concerning how you do X, Y, Z, and somebody said, "You know, I really don't like it when you do that." What? <laughs> <laughs> but that's my thing. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like my thing? I I'm, this this is my, this is what makes me somebody, man. I was speaking at this place one time, and I used every joke in my arsenal. I, I was, I was, they would not respond. And I was like, "Oh man, what's wrong with me today?" <laughs> I was feeling all down. Oh man, none of my, none of my material worked. <laughs> and y'all ain't laughing at it now, so, I'm not, uh, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so praise the Lord. But that sense of self, when it's threatened or compromised, it's a fear. That's why people don't like public speaking. Because of our concern of how people are going to receive us. It's why we go some places and and we want to know people's opinions before we do something. Because that we want to make sure. Because that fear is there. And so every fear that humanity has stems out of one of those five. And so right now what I want to do is give you six things to help you overcome fear. Because how many have had to deal with fear in your life? Fear stands between you and potential. And sometimes people are perfectionists. We're perfectionists because we don't want somebody seeing it not right or having something to say about it. And so because we don't want that, we're going to make it perfect before we do it perfectionist that's how they want to be uh, that's got to be right it goes past excellence on to perfectionism and the perfectionist is really ultimately concerned because i won't say scared but concerned that there will be criticism amen? amen but how are you going to release your potential into areas where it has never been seen when you're scared of what it's going to be perceived and how it's going to be perceived. The fear of rejection is is concerning to people. It's the thing that holds most people from sharing their faith because we're concerned about how people are going to receive it. And so the gospel gets held into toll by the adversary because of our fear of rejection. But thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's look at six ways. Number one, recognize fear does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Write it down. I'm going to move real fast. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Fear does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of what? But power, love, and a sound mind. Tell your neighbor, God did not give me A spirit of fear. fear. Listen, what did he give you instead of fear? Power, love, and a sound mind. Why did he give you power first? What are you afraid of if you got power, amen? (laughs) Love. Love conquers fear. See, power overwhelms fear, but love cancels fear because perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? Perfected love casts out fear. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear. God gave us power, love, and a sound mind. Why is a sound mind? Now you say, well, I got a sound mind. I hear people, oh, I got a sound mind. Do you understand why God gave you a sound mind to deal with fear? Because God designed you to be a problem solver, not a warrior. Oh, y'all didn't get that. God designed you to be a problem solver and not a worrier. A worrier looks at the problem and says, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. A problem solver says, oh, I see a problem. I'm going to solve that problem. Praise the Lord for an answer to that problem. I'm not worried about the problem. I'm declaring that God's got an answer for that. Why? Because I have a sound mind and God's going to use my mind to give me an answer. Worry is saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but a person of faith is reaching into the spirit by faith and saying, even though I don't see an answer, it's the substance of what I'm hoping for, the evidence of I can't see, I can't see an answer, but my faith is going to grab this and pull it to my soul, and my soul is going to say, there is an answer. God has not given me a spirit of fear. God gave me power, love, and a sound mind. Love says, even though I have an interpersonal problem with somebody, guess what? I love you so much, I refuse to accept the problem. That's why the person who turns into a statue, when I see them, I can walk away and say, guess what? I love you and I mean it. You ain't talking to me. I don't care. I've been disowned. I've I've been down the road with folks. My father disowned me one time, a couple of times, but actually the first time my father disowned me <laughs> was when I said I was not going to name my son Derry. He said, I disown you. You're going to mess up the chain. Because <laughs> his name was Derry and my name is Derry. So I gave in, I named my son Derry. But I put a twist on it. I changed the middle name. He said, no, you messed it up. <laughs> He's not the third anymore. Now he's got a different name. So I got disowned anyway. And then I got disowned. And, anyway, I'm, I go, anyway. <laughs> we made up afterwards. Amen. Fear does not come from God. Genesis three, we looked at. The second thing is you got to admit where you are. When God asked Adam, where are you? The question is not for God. The question was for Adam. Adam, where are you? So you got to recognize where you are. If you say, I'm not afraid of nothing. Okay. If you say so. How come you're not taking care of this stuff over here? Well, I just ain't got to it yet. No, you're scared. That's what's wrong. (laughs) You have something that's hindering you from dealing with what you need to deal with. And that hindrance is a fear, whether we want to call it fear or not. Procrastination is connected to fear. I'm, I'm going to deal with that sooner or later. You're procrastinating. It's related to fear. Now, if you have a plan and it's not yet in the plan, okay, fine. But if it's out there and you don't have a plan, you're just looking at it saying, uh-huh, then that's a fear. How many things in the church don't get done because of fear? I had somebody at our former church, there was a lady, I, we put a, made an announcement, we're looking for greeters, and it's the friendliest lady in the church, wonderful lady, just great demeanor, just awesome, awesome lady, we need, we need greeters, and so I keep waiting for this person to volunteer, and so I finally went up to her and said, listen, we're looking for greeters, well, you, why don't you think about being a greeter, she said, you would want me to be a greeter. I said, uh, yeah, you're you, uh, yeah, hospitable, you're smiling all the time, you're, you're nice to people. Uh, <laughs> really? Are you sure? You sure you want me to be a group? I'm thinking, where's this coming from? But see, I'm looking at the physical realm and making a judgment on something that she's dealing with in the second realm. Fear doesn't live in the physical realm. Fear lives in the second realm. It lives in the soul of a person. Fear dwells in the soul. And so when people get wounded or people have challenges or people have problems, those things are there. But the problem was, if you don't understand or you're not aware that there's a fear dwelling there, that fear will hide and it'll come up at the wrong times. It'll come up when you're on the edge of success, when you're just about to make that move And all of a sudden, that fear makes you back up. Told you guys, I I got the green light, green light to go into this master's program at Stanford. I was all, all, everything's all ready to go. Called, I talked to the admissions guy. He said, oh man, you're perfect for this program. Oh yeah, yeah. I was all good up until application time. I had my application all complete. I put it in the envelope. I put it in my folder. And I didn't send it. And the guy calls me. Man, I'm looking for your app. Where is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call it fear. But it was a fear. Because nobody in my family had moved into that type of arena. And so I had an innate fear of going into that space. So I had to deal with the fear. But I didn't know it was a fear at the time. I thought it was just more Eh, you know, one of those things I'll get to sooner or later. See, there are things, there are doors that are open for us. And fear trains us to go to the edge of the door and not enter. And the enemy trains us with a fear the way they train elephants. When they're small, they tie their legs to little scrawny pegs in the ground that the little one can't move. And then after he gets big and he still has the same rope on his leg, the same little scrawny peg, but he won't go past the tug of the the rope. Why? Because his training tells him that's as far as he can go. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flow the issues of your life. And the word issues means fences or boundaries. And many times fear is the boundary that causes the issue of your life. I was doing job placement in this place one time and I met with this young man and he was very gifted, very gifted young man. And I was talking to him and his sphere was going past a certain street because he was told if you go past that street, those people don't like you over there. That street was the only way to get downtown where the jobs were. And so he would only apply to jobs in this radius because in his mind... He couldn't pass this street. You guys think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. There are certain places that people will not go past a certain lace because of the boundary that has been set there. When my my, my grandparents moved to California from Arkansas, they were in a place that was totally segregated. So when they got to California that was not segregated, they immediately taught their child that was getting ready to start to kindergarten, do not talk. You're going to an unsegregated school. You can't talk. You must be quiet. And so, this bright little kindergartner can't talk. My mother was 60 something years old, and we're all sitting at the table talking about this. And she started telling me that I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Now, she only saw my parents was holding me back. She didn't understand her parents had a boundary that they weren't prepared to teach her how to cross because they didn't know what was on the other side. They didn't know how to teach her. And so right now, right now, we have people psychologically blaming their parents for this and blaming their parents for that. Guess what? Your parents did the best they could with what they had and if they made a boundary and told you not to cross it, it's because they couldn't cross it. You need to figure out what the boundary is. Get some faith in your spirit and you walk over it because you're empowered to do more. You're empowered to do better. You're empowered to have more. You have access to more. Fear must be admitted that this is where the line is. And when I get to the line, now that I know there's a line, I say, thank you, Father. I'm going to reach out in faith, and I'm going to pull down what I need to overcome my mental barrier, my generational teaching, my generational mindset, and I'm going to walk out of this and walk right past it to the next level. Your boundaries do not have to be the same boundaries they were yesterday. Amen? But you got to recognize, yeah, guess what? I'm in this garden. I'm naked as a jaybird. And guess what? I know where I am. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Do you know where you are, Adam? You're in the same garden you was always in. Why are you hiding? woo Come on. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on another place. Uh, Y'all ain't with me here. Come on. Number three. Make prayer a foundation for your life. Go to Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Make prayer a foundation of your life. The first thing is, know that God is not the author of fear. God doesn't give fear to humanity. You say, well, there's good fear. No, there's no good fear. Well, what if a lion's coming? Don't be afraid. You need to stand up. (laughs) Running is not... Out of fear, running is a strategy. (laughs) Make a strategic decision. Okay, the lion is stronger than me and faster than me. What do I need to do? I need to outrun Tracy. That's my strategy. (laughs) That's not fear, that's strategy. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) All right. Number three, (laughs) Philippians four, verse six. I should turn there myself, amen. All right, Philippians four and six. When you get there, say amen. When you get there, say I beat the pastor, amen. Amen. Now I'm using a stalling technique now, amen? All right, Philippians chapter four, verse six. Be anxious anxiety for nothing. In other words, don't allow anxiety in your camp. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests be made known to God. You want to deal with anxiety? First pray. Talk to God, listen to God. Move with God. Simple definition of prayer, right? Then, what do you do? You supplicate. You put your request before God. And once you put your request before God, then what do you do? Then you start thanking. Thanking God for the answers. Thanking God for what He's doing. Thanking God for how it's working in our favor. Thanking God. And sometimes your your first and second realm won't give you anything to thank God about. Which is why you got to reach into faith and pull down something. You know what? I'm gonna thank God by faith today. As Sammy said, I had a problem that it hit me and I couldn't walk. I, I was, uh, and when I was walking, I was walking, I was walking like this, and I could not straighten up. And I was doing everything, I, everything I knew to do. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, "We'll put you in physical therapy." And it was getting worse. I'm like, man. Dude, I mean, come on, man. And I knew the physical therapist. He said, "Oh man, this should work." Every time I said, "Man, it, it was, tell you what." It, how do I know it didn't work? Because when I came in like this, I came out like that. It ain't working, man. It's, something's wrong. <laughs> but I had to go to prayer, and I had to actually start thanking God for an answer, because I'm going to the doctor remember the woman with the issue of blood? She was going to the doctor, paying the doctors all that she had, trying to seek an answer. She couldn't find an answer. She couldn't get an answer. So I had to go and I had to say, Lord, by faith, I, 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 I'm, too, I'm too young to walk like this. Come on, man. I got, I, need, I got work to do. Come on, Lord. I started reaching the faith. I had to start pulling things down. Father, I thank you right now that your word says that you're a healer. Thank you right now that you're able to heal what's broken. I thank you, Lord. Father, you, you're going to give me Wisdom and understanding. Thank you right now. And I had to start making confessions. I had to start by faith, pulling it down. And did I wake up the next day and it was gone? No, I had to continue. I had to continue. I had to continue fighting. I had to continue pulling stuff down, pulling it down, pulling it down. And then one day the Holy Spirit granted me a supernatural wisdom and a favor to get exactly where I need to do to get it fixed. The doctor told me, he said, you got two choices. I'm going to give you a shot. I said, what's the shot do? He said, make it don't hurt. (laughs) He said, or you can get surgery. I said, well, what's the, what's the, and he just stopped. He didn't tell me. I said, well, what's the, what's the surgery entail? Oh, well, you know, I said, I don't want a surgeon whose answer is, oh, well, you know. I know, man, you went to medical school. Tell me what this, what, what is you're doing? And he was all kind of nebulous about the, I said, no, 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 you're not, you, Dr. Bombay, you're not cutting on me. <laughs> not you. <laughs> Amen. Did they cut or did he... I got neither the shot or cut. Amen. Praise the Amen. Lord. Amen. Neither one. I'm, I'm straight. <laughs> Amen. Because God had an answer. God had an answer. But I had to fight for it. I had to to fight by faith. I had to fight by faith to get there. So prayer is that moving. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The next verse. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart and your mind. Amen? Amen, that's what you need. You need that guard over your heart and mind because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do it? With stories and pictures. And you need to have the right stories and right pictures in your mind. So number three is prayer. Number four, get your mind right. Be intentional about your meditation. In other words, you're meditating on things all the time. But you need to be intentional about where your meditation is. There was this TV show we were watching one day. I watched it. And I said, this is, is, stuff." and I would always say, this this show is just foolishness. And I would watch it. And then one day I was sitting, I was driving down the street, and I started laughing. Because I was thinking about the show. Because the show, I wasn't conscious of it, it just something dropped, in my head, I started laughing. I thought, oh man, that thing is in my soul. I got to weed this thing out of here. Because it's foolishness. And I need to feed myself something else. Now, I'm going to tell you not to watch television? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you be conscious of your meditation. Be conscious of what you put in because garbage in, garbage out, right? Yeah. That's what the foundation of computer science. Garbage in, garbage out, right? Yeah. So be conscious of what you put in because it's going to come out. Whatever's in your heart in abundance, is going to find a way through your lips. Amen? Amen. Get your mind right. Philippians 4 and 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, be deliberate about what you choose to meditate on. Now, it does not say, finally, my brothers, whatever things you're worried about, whatever things you have anxiety about, whatever things you're concerned with, whatever things you think ain't going to work, meditate on that. No. (laughs) It doesn't say that. Why? Because he's given us keys to overcome the anxiety he just talked about in verse 6. How do you overcome anxiety? You got to get your mind focused on the right things. Number five, let love be perfected in you. Turn to 1 John chapter four. I'm running low on time, so we're going to skip right to verse 18. 1 John chapter four, verse, actually, let's go to verse 16. 1 John chapter four, verse 16. It says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Love is perfected in us when we start to let Christ abide in us. And when he abides in us, the love of God becomes perfected in us. And the love of God casts out all fear. And so when this sweet, wonderful person who's not talking to me gives me the cold shoulder, the perfect love in me, because it ain't always perfect. But the perfect love in me responded that day and just said, I love you no matter what. Now, when I'm not abiding like I should, then the answer would have been, well, forget you. I ain't talking to you either. the perfect love when we are abiding in Christ and we have Christ abiding in us and it's in us, it's ready. Then when we get into those situations, what comes out is what's abiding in us. And if perfect love, the love of God, the character of God is in us, then that perfect love will come through us. And you're not as far off as you think. Jesus told somebody, he said, you're close to the kingdom. Amen? Amen. You're not as far off as you think. Last thing is number six. Don't do it by yourself. Don't try to fight fear on your own. Because that's called isolation. And that's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to get Christians isolated, thinking they can handle everything on their own. And when you get on your own, there's a common thread that happens. I have a sweet person I know, and I've been working with them for years and years. And every time they get into a challenge, they disappear on me. Every time they get into a bad situation, they disappear. And I have to go looking for them. And I had to start sending them texts. Where are you? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Why? Because I know where they are. I need them to recognize where they are. Because they're trying to do it on their own. They're afraid that if we really know who they are, that we would reject them. But we know who you are. (laughs) See, God knew who Adam was. God knew where Adam was. That was not the problem. God loved him enough to call his name. But the enemy tries to get us isolated and try to fix our life on our own instead of what? Coming amongst the fellowship and let's deal with our issues together. Let's strengthen one another. Final scripture and then we're going to pray. Revelation twelve, verse eleven. Revelation twelve, verse eleven. I tell your neighbor, say, "Don't run. Don't run. I got you." <laughs> I got you because I love you. Revelations chapter twelve, verse eleven. And This is talking specifically about the war in heaven and on earth. And as the war in heaven and on earth, this is in the, in the days to come, when that war happens, he tells what is the thing that brings victory. And it says, and they overcame him, who? The adversary, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of a testimony. I read this passage wrong for so many years, and I had to, man, when I saw it, I said, man, it was just laying there for my revelation. I couldn't receive it. It says they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb. The blood is what saves you and redeems you. It is Jesus come to live inside of you and make you a new creation, and that is the word of God. When Jesus comes to live in you, the blood that covers you, and makes you a new creation. And in him, you live and move and have your being. The first way you overcome is when the lamb comes and he comes with the word. Amen. But then it's the word of their testimony. And I kept always saying, it's the word. No, it's the word of their testimony. In other words, what got them redeemed, what helped them overcome was not only the blood that saved them but the word of their testimony to save somebody else. The word of their testimony that began loving others enough to teach them what I know, to share on to them, pass on to them what I experienced, how God has worked with me. That word of their testimony became the thing that set other people free. Man, you want to cast out fear? Become vulnerable enough to tell your story. Become vulnerable enough to tell your story about how God has delivered you, saved you, made you whole, how God has worked in your life, done things, because what's happening is you're remembering and your own faith is being developed. When you start telling people how God brought you out, guess what? You start swelling up with the faith of God. Amen? Amen? Come on, you start getting stronger. Why? Because you're telling Goliath, I've killed the lion and the bear and you're next. Will you share your testimony? Yeah, when I was out there, I killed a Man, I was taking care of my father's sheep and I had to kill a lion. Woo, really? Yeah, yeah. And matter of fact, I killed a bear too. <laughs> and now I'm ready for Goliath. Why? Because my testimony, when God was on me, has made me an overcomer. Amen? Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, I ain't afraid of nothing. Because I got the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Amen. Amen, Let's stand on our feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. glory mm. Come on, I want you. Thank you for listening to today's message. Today's message was titled "Overcoming Fear from Our series Purpose, Potential and Power. For more information about an Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, we invite you to take a look and find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. And once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life. And that more abundantly.